Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Resource Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, as always, Eric Green. Eric, I appreciate you trying to drum up extra attention for your articles by attaching them to pictures of your pets. I'm a shameless, uh, shameless individual. Actually, I have lots of shame. That's a, that's a lie. But, but your uh, shame is not related to that. Exactly. Um, you, you know, we got, we got subs to move. We got product to move. Yes. Yeah. And Walter, Walter's a pusher, I guess, is, uh, the, uh, is what you're saying here. Exactly. I've, uh, I've constructed uh, and constructed is probably too strong of a word for all of this. Uh, a, a, a ball blocking contraption with the couch so that a rolled up rug and a pillow are blocking Walter's ball from rolling under the couch thus making it less likely that uh, we will be interrupted by a dog losing his mind because he has lost his ball. I am expecting a delivery at some point today, so the dog on this end will probably go nuts as well. Cool. I got those new Westbrooks coming. Oh, Why yeah. Not? Yeah. yeah. Got to freshen up for the playoffs, you know? Um, it is important to look your best uh, when the real season begins. I was going to say it's important to at least have good shoes when you know you're not going to look your best because you don't sleep and don't take good care of yourself. I mean, A doesn't rule out B. Speaking of looking your best, uh, Bruno Caboclo as a Simpsons character looks pretty good, right? Yeah, I'm just... What a weird thing. Like, who did that animation? I have no idea. I can't imagine anybody on the Simpsons payroll... uh, Used their time thusly. You don't think that there are huge Memphis Grizzlies fans? Uh, I guess it's on the poss- Simpsons staff. I guess it's possible there's one or something. Let's let's check if anybody uh, from Memphis went to uh, Harvard over the last twenty years, and maybe we can figure it out. I'm uh, I'm just disappointed that I didn't get that scoop while I was in Memphis. Yeah, well. Uh, Blake, you're not a very good reporter, as you know. Bruno uh, couldn't have tipped me off over over barbecue. Unbelievable! It's a it's a, uh, it's a missed opportunity to break that news, which which would have been huge for for your brand. Yeah, we we haven't done a podcast since that trip, have we? No, no, because we we missed last week because we were both returning uh, on consecutive yes. days, and then the Raptors played a few games in a row and. It just made sense to sort of keep it on the Tuesday Wednesday schedule we've been uh, we've been rolling on for the last few weeks here. The last few every so oftens. Well, you know, other than this last week, I think we've done two or three Tuesdays in a row. So yeah. uh, plus, I've kind of come to the point. I mean, you know my feelings on podcasts in general, but you love us, doing them, and we are thankful for our listeners. That's what your feelings are. Continue. Yeah. No, I was just going to say. I mean, us forcing it every week. If we're just going to have the same topic, you know, the same topics two weeks in a row, we may as well just stretch them out and you look, know talk talk when there's something to talk about which there is today there's lots look, to talk about today look like my teammates uh, think I should force shots so I guess I'm going to force shots yeah yeah that that 
Speaking of that guy, <laughs> uh, Mitchell Robinson, public enemy number one. In the middle of the third quarter, the Raptors are up 30-plus. Uh, Kyle Lowry is chasing down a ball. Mitchell Robinson starts to tumble and kind of grabs Lowry's leg and pulls him to the ground and falls on top of him. Kyle Lowry leaves the game with a sore ankle. He'll get further testing Tuesday. Not sure if we'll get an actual update or not, or if he'll just be day-to-day. But I guess the first part of that is Eric up 30-plus, but still in the middle of the third quarter. You're okay with Lowry still being out there at that point, right? Also, Jeremy Lin was about to come in for him. Like, like that was his substitution pattern, right? Like, Lowry was about to come out, uh, and it just happened when it happened. So, I mean, yes, I'm fine. I'm not going to really listen to any argument. I mean, I'll listen to it because, you know, my parents raised me decently. But (laughs) it's... Uh, they they raised me decently. Whether whether I came out decently, like has nothing to do with their efforts. Uh, uh, I don't think uh, we can we can get onto this. <laughs> we can get onto this on our other podcast, uh, Psychiatry Today, with Eric and Blake. Yeah. Um, I want no part of that. <laughs> um, I just think it. I mean, it's not like they were up sixteen with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, which is something that's happened frequently this year, and they haven't necessarily been pulled, and I find much more egregious than Kyle Lowry in his first game back trying to get, you know, a a sort of foundation under him and get him some more run with, uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet, who he hadn't played with in a while, and some more chemistry with Gasol, and uh, just get him... Uh, in in a nice rhythm, which he appeared to be in. Uh, I I'm not gonna nitpick that decision. I know some people are, and I like why even play the guys more than a quarter for the rest of the year if that's what you're gonna do. Uh, it just and we can have a conversation about that if you want. I don't really want to, um, but I think it was fine. Yeah, I think so too. Like he was about to come out, and like this idea that. There was there was one person in my mentions, and I'm not saying this to call that person out because he was it was a respectful conversation. He was mostly just curious, but he was the suggestion was that the Raptors are reckless like this more than other teams, and other teams up thirty early in the third quarter would have pulled their guys. Um, you know, Lowry's played the same number of minutes up twenty or more roughly as Kyrie Irving. Giannis and Joel Embiid have both played more. Part of that is Milwaukee has played a lot more minutes up twenty. Um, but guys, you generally, you know, the fourth quarter is when the fourth quarter is garbage time in a blowout like that. You kind of, you kind of roll your rotation for three quarters and, you know, like you said, Lowry was about to come out anyway. Anyway, the actual play, uh, Kyle Lowry thought it was a little dirty, but did not think there was intent there. Mitchell Robinson has declined to comment. And I think he made his Instagram private and everything because Raptors fans were, were coming at him a little bit. Um, you're what, what did you think of? the actual play from Robinson. I think Mitchell Robinson is smarter than, than we knew about him. Not that we knew much about him by blocking, by making his Instagram private. That's a good move. I think Kyle Lowry mostly had it right at the moment. I didn't think it was dirty, but it's hard to tell these things in the moment. Uh, I think he was a bit clumsy and a bit overzealous and then he was falling, and he sort of grabbed Lowry, which you should not do. You should not try to use another person to 
break your fall uh, and and stop a fast break if you're doing so from behind like that that seems like a pretty dangerous thing to do but it's not like i think he was trying to fall onto his legs specifically you know like it's that was just clumsiness and you know youth and overzealousness and and playing very hard but not having control you are responsible for your own body, though. Yeah, no, that, in that, I'm not saying it wasn't dirty. No, I get, I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. I'm just expanding on your point. Yeah, I'm just saying it wasn't with ill intent. Uh, so he'll hopefully learn from that. Uh, while you know, you wouldn't want it to take away from how hard he does play and how much he protects the rim and and goes after. Uh, rebounds and all that because he does have that sort of skill set. I don't know whether he can curb the mistakes enough in order to become a you know a full time player or whatever. But um, he does have that skill set, so it's going to be about walking the line. And he's a rookie, and he didn't walk that line well this time, and it totally sucks for Raptors fans. And that's about it, right? Like yeah. What else? So let's, to that point in the game, uh, Kyle Lowry had returned from a two-game absence due to a sprained left ankle. This is the opposite ankle that's gotten hurt here. Um, You know, some people obviously wanted the Raptors to take it cautious with Lowry. Uh, It's the Knicks, so even though Leonard and Ibaka were sitting out. But he, you know, he was probably tracking to play maybe 28 minutes uh, because of the blowout. And you have to return at some point. It's fine. Uh, I think the most notable thing here until we know a status on Lowry is the point you wrote about after the game, that the Raptors' offense of late has started to look like we maybe envisioned post-trade deadline. They're tallying up assists at a much higher rate. They're hitting threes more by volume and by percentage. And there is, you know, there's a sense that that sort of freedom of of the ball is finally taking place, even when Leonard's on the court, uh, even though he wasn't last night in the 128-92 victory. Lowry being out, even with Van Vliet being back playing as well as he has in his first couple appearances, um, he had the second most assists of his career last night in just 28 minutes. Um, Lowry missing a chunk of time would be a hit to that, as he wrote about. Absolutely. Um, There was one possession last night that I really wanted to link to, and NBA.com did not have that particular video up. It, It led to a Lowry miss from three. Like... The ball movement on that play, it was just, I want to say, I, I don't know if it was side to side to side or it was four sides, but uh, it was a thing of beauty. And we've seen this with Lowry and Van Vliet. Not only does it help your transition offense, obviously, to have two, you know, I, I don't want to say elite playmakers, but borderline elite playmakers and definitely very smart passers and, you know, capable ball handlers uh, to take the ball up the floor, uh, but also get that shooting on the floor. And to the point where if they pump fake from three, you're just creating that, you're keeping that scramble going. It's not like a pause stops the scramble because you have to sell out to either one of them shooting a three pointer. So, I mean, that those two as almost always looked great together uh, it just hasn't been the same with Lynn, uh, uh, you know, mostly because he's been pretty timid in the pick and roll and, and obviously his shot has not uh, fallen. Uh, but overall, it's hard to, 
you know, you've, you've got to like what you see from the Raptors as a whole offensively. Uh, we can talk about the defense in a bit. I, I think it's been, you know, still hit and miss. Uh, but, you know, passes in general have trended down in the league. Uh, I don't really have any reason for that, whether it's just fatigue or, or whatever. But before the trade deadline, they were 20th in the league in passes per game. Uh, they're fifth uh, since the trade deadline. So I'm not saying that's completely Marcus Gasol, but it has a bit to do with that. Uh, and they look dangerous as hell, but, you know, Larry's maybe the most important player in order to keep that going. Not only are they fifth in total passes, uh, more functionally, they're third since the trade deadline in potential assists per game, which is shots that immediately follow a pass, and second in points created by assists per game. Only Utah creating more points off of assists. That is a dramatic turnaround from where the Raptors were before. And even if you project their playoff offense to be a little less like that and a little more reliant on, you know, Leonard doing his thing, maybe uh, it's great that they have that it makes them more difficult to guard. It gives them more ways to score, which I think is important. And the three point shooting is something I've wrote about a ton this year um, where it was like, Hey, uh, they have a lot more true talent than they've gotten, than they've shown with their percentages and they should trend upward. And then you get Kyle Lowry back and everyone has almost every year shot better on threes assisted by Kyle Lowry than anyone else on the team. And then you have Marcus all back to help set guys up and, and Kawhi Leonard's playmaking ticks upward ever so slightly and suddenly now the Raptors are 10th in the league in three-point percentage yeah um it was funny in the old story that I from you that I linked to uh within my piece you mentioned a study that said uh from a team level these things tend to even out at the 68.5 game mark and what you know what the Raptors have played 71 games now so uh it's funny how that works I mean Obviously, it doesn't work every time. Uh, sometimes teams have bad shooting seasons, and some te- sometimes teams are unrealistically good. Uh, but I think we probably thought they'd be, you know, 10th, 9th, 8th, you know, somewhere maybe not elite, elite, but a very good shooting team, and that's where they're at right now. And I think the, the, only, the, the only huge outlier, I would say, in terms of being better than we thought, has been Danny Green, who's just been above expectation all season long, and particularly lately. But other than that, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, there's still a lot of career marks that are lower than we would expect. Yeah, Danny Green, second in the league in total corner threes made, uh, shooting, I believe, over 50% from the right corner. Uh, but yeah, you look at the guy, you you look up and down the roster, and you know, there are a couple guys where it's like, oh, maybe that'll come back down. You know, maybe Pascal Siakam's not a 35% three-point shooter. Um, Norman Powell's been so inconsistent in his career that who knows if he's a 35 or a 30 or a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, but you also look at, you know, Fred Van Bleet's at 37.8, which is, you know, good, but not quite as good as he was last year. Kyle Lowry's still down at 35%. Uh, Nick Nurse pointed out last night that Kawhi Leonard's ticked back up to 37%, but that's not where he's, that's still not quite where he's been at his best. So, um, you know, these things. And then you have Malcolm Miller, who's 9 of 16 uh, for 56.3%, and that's absolutely his true shooting talent. And yeah. if you free Malcolm Miller, you get all these threes. The king of the garbage time three. They should have signed him to trade him to Memphis. I think that would have been the right move. Why? So just so he could get tons and tons of threes? Yeah, and play with old Raptors, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what should have happened. He could have 33-point nights like C.J. Miles. 
<laughs> I, you know, I had a bet with somebody before the year that he would still end up at 35% and from three, and it's looking unlikely, but we're inching closer is all I'm saying. Uh, with CJ Miles, you mean? Yeah. Uh, he might just not get enough attempts, right? Exactly. Like it's, if the season were 10 games longer, uh, he might have gotten there at this rate. But uh, yeah. Anyway. That's uh, a tangent of uh, maybe an unnecessary tangent, one can say. Look, he's the the Grizzlies have 10 or 11 games left. If he were to go 15 of 30 yeah. down the stretch here, you'd get there for 35%. Well, I think uh, I think that's plausible. Uh, you know, it's obviously not likely, but uh, but uh, we'll see. It's not and, – and I think he'll take more than 33 pointers. Oh, yeah, he's averaging over five a game since he got yeah. to Memphis. Yeah. So, yeah, what happens? So there's 10 games left, you say? 10-ish. I don't, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Okay, so if he takes like 55 more threes and hits, say, 22 of them, does that get him there? I don't know. I closed this stat page already. Okay, it's fine. Anyway. I, just picked, I just picked the first number that the math worked for in my head. And okay, so we're, we're pulling for you, CJ. Uh, you're you're pulling for your bet. I'm pulling for CJ Miles. Yeah. Well, I never got my CJ's PJs, so I'm. Uh, I did. I'm, a, I, I'm of mixed uh, mixed feelings here. Anyway, that's enough about the the Toronto Grizzlies. Uh, I suppose, <laughs> although I do have something coming tomorrow. Uh, another thing from that trip, I had the Jonas Valanciunas piece last yeah. week, and something fun yeah. coming tomorrow. Clear out uh, a few hours of your day, folks. It's not that long. Clear out. An, an hour, hour yeah. <laughs> Okay, so in addition to the ball movement, uh, if Lowry misses time, the Raptors could be looking at maybe even more different starting lineups. Last night was the 20th different starting lineup they've used in the year, which is uh, almost as many as 2012-2013 when they used 22, and it's hilarious to look at some of those lineups. Um, they have been... This is the thing I wrote about last night, was that, or rather this morning, was that... Um, you know, twenty having to go through twenty starting lineups is not good. You have the Raptors have such a small sample in relative terms of basically every lineup they figure to use heavily in the playoffs, except for that you know starting lineup with a Bach at center. That one has played like a top ten number of minutes in the league, and, and otherwise they don't have a lot of high usage lineups. But what we've been able to see, I think the way I phrased it in my piece is you you they've sacrificed. Um, data on lineups that you can be almost certain will work and in exchange they've gotten more data on different looks that may or may not have worked and you know now that certain things might not work or certain pairings work better uh so there's a small silver lining to guys having been out of the lineup so much uh you're probably at the point in the season where those silver linings are done and you would just like everyone to be healthy uh so you can play 10 11 games and get uh you know get a chemistry and get a groove going and uh, maybe choose when you don't have guys down the stretch instead of your hand being forced. Uh, but there are some things that have revealed themselves, like the fact that Fred Van Vliet has filled in really capably, whether Lowry or Leonard misses time. And if you were going to stagger those two in the postseason, Fred Van Vliet could fill in either slot and you have options either way. If you wanted to stagger Pascal Siakam, you now know that OG Ananobi has looked really good when he gets minutes with, uh, with heavy starters. Um, you know that... At least on Monday, Jeremy Lin looked a lot better with another point guard next to him. Uh, you know, and we know for from time now that 
Kyle Lowry helps Serge Ibaka's game a lot. And as you wrote about, uh, Marcus Gasol and Fred VanVleet have a nice little chemistry. So frustrating though this has all been, uh, the Raptors have played two games this year without anyone injured. And one of those was the first game after the trade deadline when they had like 10 players. Uh, frustrating though that's been, it's helped them learn some things that will inform their playoff rotation. Yeah, and look, you take what you can get. And it sucks that... I mean, I guess we should talk, I, I, maybe by the time people hear this, the Raptors will have updated it. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that uh, people didn't believe it to be serious. I'm not sure who people are. Uh, presumably, as I tweeted, Kyle Lowry texting from inside an MRI machine, <laughs> um, which is totally safe and uh, allowed. Um Texting, not tweeting, if I said tweeting. Um, Nick Nurse seemed to say that it wasn't that bad, and he mentioned Friday offhand as a possibility. I wouldn't hold him to that. Uh, I think he was more thinking out loud than giving a definitive timeline. Whereas Lowry pointed out several times how, uh, what was the word he used? Tender it was. And he was, you know, anecdotally, he was grabbing his, high ankle, high up on his ankle, not low, and that can be worse than than sort of a, a more traditional ankle sprain. So we don't know how long it's going to be until we see, you know, Lowry back, and hopefully that will be the end of the injuries, and, you know, all Raptors fans can knock on wood right now. Uh, but sometimes things don't work out, and they don't, they don't come around for you, so you have to take what you can get from the data you have. And I think, you know, we've all known that Lowry and Ibaka have been good together all year. Uh, I I still think Ibaka should have a bit more value in in either role. I don't fully see why, um, you know, he can't gain something of a chemistry with Van Vliet or even Lynn, but that's just not what's been the case. Uh, Similarly, you know, I think Gasol and Van Vliet looked very good in, in their first few games together, uh, but Gasol has enough uh, has enough capability uh, to really mesh with anybody. And we've known for a while that Fred Van Vliet just fits in with the starters. He, uh, you know, Lowry traditionally plays very well with a second point guard, no matter who that point guard is. Uh, Gravis Vasquez being sort of sort of the first. Uh, I, I don't remember any a lot of Lowry called around minutes. I'm sure there were. I, I'm sure there were too, but I just don't remember them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're bang on with those things you can draw. And, and as you start to look at what a rotation might look like, uh, obviously adjusting as you need to for matchups or, uh, you know, it, it's hard to play two point guards, for example, against the Philadelphia starting lineup. That would be difficult and probably ill-advised. Uh, you've got some nice little things to work with. And uh, frequently, Raptors groups that have not played a lot of minutes together this year uh, ha- have performed well right away. So hopefully that continues to happen, even if it has to happen in the playoffs. So it's not the best time to be finding these things out, but you get the opportunities that you get. Speaking of the playoffs, the Toronto Raptors lost a third game in a row to the Detroit Pistons on Sunday. 
Now, people reacted how they reacted because Dwayne Casey has beaten his old team three times in close regular season games. And it is not as funny to some other people as it is to me, apparently. Uh, I found humor in it. Also, if you are worried from those three games about playing the Detroit Pistons in round one, take solace in the fact that the Pistons are a game up on Brooklyn and Brooklyn has a really tough schedule down the stretch. And... You know, right now it probably looks like Brooklyn is the most likely playoff opponent for the Raptors. But, uh, you know, the Raptors are actually in a little bit of control here, seeing as they still have uh, a game against Charlotte, uh, a game against Orlando, two games against Charlotte, sorry, one against Orlando, one against Brooklyn, and one against Miami. The Raptors could mess some things up here for some teams. Miami's still on the table, baby. That's their dream. Yeah, they've, they've kind of been good lately. Yeah, they've had some good wins. Who'd they beat last night? They won in Oklahoma City last night without Russ. But uh, oh yeah, that suspension. Yeah, they've and ugh, like uh, you know, this is my own bias, but they were just so blah when they played the Raptors a few weeks back. So uh, you know, that's it's interesting, uh, and you know, I, I'd sort of thought it was going to be Brooklyn or Detroit for a while now, and I, I haven't looked at the percentages today, but uh, we can do that uh, at some point during this podcast. But I think Miami is probably a closer third than they've been in a while. Uh, so Miami is yeah. a closer what, sorry? Like a closer third uh, in likely opponent than they've been in a while. I, I imagine they're still third, uh, next to Detroit and Brooklyn to finish in the seventh seed. But uh, I think they're inching closer to uh, a realistic opponent. Yeah, they're only a game back of Brooklyn. So the big thing here is going to be that Brooklyn has played more games than Detroit or Miami. Um, So Detroit and Miami control that a little bit more than Brooklyn does, maybe. Uh, Brooklyn also has a very tough schedule, so... Yeah, that's the thing. They could uh, they could lose a lot. I mean, they could conceivably still fall out of the playoffs. They have a two and a half game cushion on Orlando in ninth, but that is not a that is not an infinite cushion. It is a two and a half game cushion, and there are ten games left for them. Uh, that would be sad if uh, they did. Uh, the Nets have a remaining strength of schedule as or their the cumulative winning percentage of their opponents is six ten. Yikes. Uh, the Heat are at 528, and the Pistons at 513. So it seems unlikely that the Nets are going to hop up to sixth, whether they, and still possible because they're a nice team with that can get hot at any time. But I'd, you know, unless Dwayne Casey continues to tank to play the Raptors by uh, benching Blake Griffin in totally winnable games, like against the Cavaliers on uh monday night then i would be surprised if detroit is your uh your seventh seed from a pure uh i'm a basketball fan standpoint i want orlando to get the eighth seed over miami i know miami is tough and kind of fun and you would like to go there but orlando's got terry and vooch and i just like orlando they've weirdly become like my house's number two league pass team after the raptors and like right there with memphis since the trade deadline it's weird we had a conversation the other day that, like, uh, I was out with friends and, like, one of them was talking about watching Drag Race and one of them was talking about watching The Bachelor. And there was a conversation as to, like, how everyone has one of those things. 
And I was like, yeah, I, I watched, I've watched like 30 Orlando Magic games this year. That is my weird bad TV. But they're not even that bad. Like, I think we went into the season thinking like, the, you know, there's the Orlando Magic. They always kind of finish 10th or 11th. Uh, you know, they're never bad enough to be true. Like their lottery picks haven't been like, oh, I really need to see Jonathan Isaac play, even though Jonathan Isaac's a nice player. Like, I'm not picking on him. He's just, does. he's not like Trey Young or Luka Doncic or like, you know, I, I think we're more obsessed these days with, uh, with guards rather than, you know, three point hitting big men who don't really handle the ball that often. Yes. So, uh, uh, it's, they, they're not a sexy team when you look at that roster, but then, you know, with the season Vooch has had and, you know, with the, the Raptors feels that Terrence Ross brings, I, I think they've been more intriguing than, uh, you would have thought. And, you know, the, they're always at risk of a DJ Augustine revenge game. Aaron Gordon's definitely, he has a cool game. Uh, and then also, like, since the since the start of February, they've been a top three team in the league by net rating. So me saying they're bad means, like, aesthetically, it's not. They're, they're sometimes not the prettiest games. And they keep beating good teams and losing to bad teams, which is really frustrating when you're trying to make the case to people that the Magic are good, uh, when they keep losing to garbage teams and then upsetting better teams. They got a bit of, like, old-school Raptors in them. Uh, I mean, I think they're better than any of, like, the Raptors teams that missed the playoffs this run uh, were, but those teams would uh, like very often give good teams a real ma- like a real game and then just lose stupid games. So Terrence Ross, you know, again, <laughs> a, big, a big factor within. Uh, another uh, another note in the standings looking ahead to the playoffs, the dream is dead when it comes to the Indiana Pacers landing in the three seed, I think. Not only is their remaining schedule still quite difficult, uh, for the next like week or two, Philly's now a game and a half up. Uh, I don't think Indiana is going to get the three seed, which I've said all along, but now it's happening, and it's like, damn! Not only, not only for the Raptors' purposes, because Indiana is a favorable matchup to Philadelphia, uh, but just it's kind of sad to see the Indiana Magic start to run out. They, they were playing so well without Oladipo initially, um, and they're still, you know, they're not terrible, but they their March schedule is one of the most difficult months. I think any team played all year. Yeah. I mean... It's Philly in round two for the Raptors. Unless Boston somehow passes them. It seems like Indiana might fall to five. Yeah, but Boston's two and a half back of Philly. That's a a big gap to make in 11 games when you're not playing Super Bowl. It is, but they have the tiebreaker. That's Uh, true. So not not impossible. I'm right now looking up who has the uh, Brooklyn-Miami tiebreaker because this is a good use of my time. Yeah, Uh, I'm not... Would you prefer... Boston to Philadelphia? No. I think I'd rather have Philly. Um, although their starting five is scary as hell. Yeah. Uh, but they, I don't know. It's it's almost a coin flip for me. Yeah. Uh, I think with the top four teams in the East, like you're looking at a little bit of a rock, paper, scissors situation where like, I think Philadelphia is better than Boston, but I think the Raptors maybe match up better with Philadelphia. Whereas they do have, like, yeah, Gasol definitely helps in the Philly matchup. And having Gasol, having Embiid in there allows the Raptors to play what I consider their best possible lineups more often. 
yeah. than they than they maybe could against uh, Boston. And they have the size to you know match up two through four with those Philly teams, and they have two point guards who um, you know tend to defend well against bigger size players and mismatches. And you can maybe you know if you're goading Philly into a lot of Tobias Harris post ups to attack mismatches, you know maybe that's a win for your defense. And then obviously there's the fact that Kawhi Leonard is in possession of Ben Simmons' soul from those earlier meetings in the year. Uh, and look, I'm not saying that that is an easy matchup where the Raptors would be a heavy favorite, but I think that they, of the top teams in the East, the Raptors match up better with Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, the thing about them is, like, what do you do with Lowry? You probably put him in, on Redick. That, I mean, that's the answer. And then Danny Green guards Butler. And, and there's some switchability there between those two. Uh, and then everything else slots in accordingly, but it's uh, you know they're ju- they're just so big uh, that it's and if they play you know a lot of minutes with that group of five and you have to figure they'll be maximizing those minutes, uh, it you know puts a lot of pressure on on your starters, and then uh, after that it puts a lot of pressure on OG because it's just going to be harder to play two point guard lineups. Yeah in that series. Yeah, there are, uh, four, there are four good teams in the East, and they're all they're all going to be difficult. To answer the question that everybody was wondering, uh, right now, Miami has the two-to-one season series on the Nets. Uh, there is another game on April 10th. Wow. Which is, is that the last game of the season? It sure is. The last game of the season. Uh, and Basketball Reference is projecting that uh, both teams finish with the same record, uh, f- with the Nets going four and six down the stretch and the Heat going five and seven. So that game could ha- be massive implications leading to us staying up all night to figure out who's playing who and where I have to book flights to. Uh, I think I booked my flights last year at like 3 a.m. because that's when the schedule came out. It was uh, Perfect. It was it was great. Uh, yeah. The only other standings note I think that's worth watching the last little bit. The Raptors are two games ahead of the Warriors in terms of uh, if you're looking ahead to home court in a potential NBA Finals. Yeah. That is counting uh, many chickens well before they're hatched. But it's it's not nothing. Yeah. It's not it's not nothing. It's something to you know. It's literally like the only thing that like the only thing the Raptors can affect in the standings because I think they they've squandered their chance to catch Milwaukee. Um, you know, we we downplayed the likelihood of that all along, and then Milwaukee had that little blip uh, the last couple weeks, and Toronto just didn't take advantage, and now they're two and a half back with with eleven to go and no tiebreaker. It's uh, they're not moving. Yeah. To further. Uh, get into this Brooklyn Miami thing that oh my captured, God. to capture this podcast so that it's captured this podcast's imagination. I think that's fair to say. Um, Brooklyn will almost certainly finish with a better in-conference record than the Heat. So should Brooklyn win that game and the t- season series end up tie- tied, Brooklyn would uh, likely have the tiebreaker to finish ahead of Miami. Well, there you go. And now we know everything there is to know about the Brooklyn-Miami tiebreaker situation. Thank God. You're welcome, everyone. Service journalism is what this is. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm, you know, I'm just an everyday hero. I'm not, like, not, like, a superhero or somebody who needs praise all the time. I just do the little things that make your life better. Sure. 
like talk about the Miami Heat and Brooklyn Nets tiebreaker. Um, man, and you guys get on me for diving too deep into into the little stuff. Obviously, this is all self-serving. Like I want to know the scenarios so I so I can mentally prepare for where I'm going to be traveling to. This is not for anybody else, but you know. I, we'll try to keep the illusion that it is naturally. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. let's uh, let's look at the week ahead. The Raptors are at Oklahoma City on Wednesday, staying at that haunted hotel. They return Friday to host Oklahoma City, then they play at home against Charlotte on Sunday, and that's probably when we'll talk to you next. So let's do those three games there. I'll say lost win win. That's pretty chalk. I would say. Yeah. Uh, the Thunder scare me uh, just because the Raptors have played some pretty crappy games against the Russ Adams uh, pick and roll over the last few years. Yeah. Sh- shout out to former Blue Jay shortstop and error machine, Russ Adams. <laughs> Did I call him Russ Adams? Well, no, you were referring to I, the I, Russell Westbrook <laughs> Stephen Adams pick and roll. You referred to it as the Russ Adams. Oh, do you remember the era to Hill, Russ Adams? Like they were all, they were both coming up at the same time. Who's going to play shortstop? Who's going to play second base? Do I ever? It doesn't, doesn't matter. What a wealth of assets this team has. Contention. Here we come. Yeah. Anyway, it was, uh, not, so- it was not to be, folks. But Aaron Hill <laughs> did feel home that one time, and that was awesome. So the Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams pick and roll is uh, kind of a perfect combination to combat how the Raptors like to defend the pick and roll. Um, the big drops back. Russell Westbrook is such a terror with a head of steam going downhill that that's difficult, and he will take those floater range shots if they're presented to him. Meanwhile, Stephen Adams is very good at sliding underneath uh, if the big you know is too attached to Russell Westbrook and coming up with offensive rebounds. So I would expect Stephen Adams to have quite a few offensive rebounds in these two games. Uh, Stephen Adams, one of the best, one of the the biggest beersmen in the NBA, which is something I I appreciate. Just a guy who looks like he can drink a lot, a lot of beers. Uh, and there are those uh, commercials where he's just touting how much meat he eats. I don't know. I love Stephen Adams. He, he seems very relatable to me. It's always good to have uh, just somebody who presents as a uh, um, what's the right word? A beersman is. The term I've yeah, come to like, use for guys like that. You know, a lumberjack type, a man, an outdoorsman without me actually having knowledge that he likes spending time outdoors. He might be, uh, as Zach Lowe once said, an indoorsman, which I think is a good term to use for people like us. Uh, or at least I shouldn't say you. Definitely a people, a per, a people like me, Blake. Uh, a person like me. Uh, but it just seems like uh, Stephen Adams versus the Elements would be a program I'd watch. Yeah, probably Stephen Adams versus the Raptors—a program you're going to get to watch twice. So you're saying two and two and one loss, win-win. Yeah, but I'm definitely—I could, you know, one and two seems more likely than three and zero to me. If that makes sense, I'm very unsure of this matchup against Oklahoma City. Uh, at uh, relative full strength. Plus, Russ is going to be all mad first game back from a technical suspension. Well, maybe he'll pick up another tech. Maybe then be, then be uh, suspended again. I don't think it's I don't works? think it's one for one from here. I think you, oh, you get a couple more. Okay. I can't remember. 
Um, I'm not looking that up after I spent yeah. all that. It time. would seem very up. unfair to suspend a guy for 16 to get you your first suspension and one to get you your second. Uh, yeah, but you know, this is the same league that suspends people for taking a half step onto the court during a melee. This is uh, true. So, who knows? Or suspends people three games for trying to murder Marquise Chris. I don't know. Look. I don't know. He, he was, uh, there's really no way to spend that. No. But <laughs> shout out to Sebastian Suave, our, our guy, the athletic correspondent. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to, uh. Just to make things clear, I was not advocating trying to punch people in the face with that story. Uh, I am anti-people punching others in the face. Uh, but so long as basketball players are going to attempt to do it, I thought it would be funny to uh, to talk about how they are poor at doing it. Yeah, there's no need to punch people. Just smash an egg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, Eric. Uh, the only thing, I guess, the only other thing to touch on maybe is uh, Canada basketball. Actually, quick yep. Raptors 905 update. They have two games remaining. They're both at Lakeland Friday and Saturday. Uh, that two game, those two games will determine which of those two teams gets the bye in the first round. So if the Rab- if the 905 were to go 0-2, they could fall as low as playing a road game in the first round. And um, those, those are one and done scenarios. Win both. And they'll land the two seed and have a bye through the first round and then be at home in the second round. So big two games for your Raptors 905 on Friday and Saturday. Is that Lakeland as in Lakeland, Florida? It is. Are they the Magic or the Heat? They are the Lakeland Magic. Okay. Armed with former Raptors uh, summer leaguer Troy Copain, Emil Jefferson, who used to be with the Timberwolves. Do not know who any of those guys are. Oh, Emil Jefferson's actually good. Troy Copain, I'm less certain he's an NBA guy, but... He, uh, he was in Summer League with the Raptors. This year? No. Okay. The year prior. Hmm. I must have missed those games. Yeah, I guess so. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's their, that's your 905 update. Uh, and as I wrote up on Saturday, Canada basketball got a pretty unfavorable draw for the World Cup, which takes place in August and September. They'll be in a group with Lithuania, Australia, and Senegal. Uh, Senegal being one of the better four seeds that are in any of the pools. Like if Senegal were in say China's group, I would maybe consider picking Senegal as an upset to get out of that round. Like they're, they're on paper. They might, if they get everyone out, might be the best African team. Um, and then you have Lithuania and Australia who are top 10 programs and Canada who fancies himself a top 10 program. Uh, it is, a uh, for a tournament with 32 teams and eight different groups It's a tough group and only two teams make it on. Yeah, uh, really sucks for them. Uh, you explained the convoluted system in which <laughs> they came to uh, assembling these groups, which I I could half follow, not because of your writing, just because it's uh, so convoluted. Yeah, there's not a lot of logic applied. It's just this yeah. is the rule. We have this outdated ranking system we refuse to update the format for, and then we make all other decisions based on this ranking system. Yeah, it's uh, problematic, but what on planet Earth is not? Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's sort of like when the Raptors get a bad draw, which is every playoffs my response is, well, if you're as good as you think you are, who cares? Uh, also, the Raptors and, control their own playoff draw more so. 
I guess not sure. when they were the one seed because they did everything they possibly could. But like this year, if you don't like your draw, you if you don't like a pitch better, you should have got the one seed then. Yeah. Um, but with Canada, they've had a great qualification. They have the second most NBA talent. Uh, they've been talking with reason for so long about how much talent they have uh, in the pipeline. And I think most of it should be available. I mean, it's always, you never know which teams are going to put pressure on their players to go through summer league. Uh, It's hard to imagine what, you know, whichever team drafts RJ Barrett uh, is going to have in store for him. Although Rowan Barrett being in charge of the national team would seem to, uh, make him a more likely candidate to be available if, uh, you know, assuming they want Rowan Barrett there, which I, I, I would think they would, uh, despite his youth. Uh, so, you know, this, this group will obviously lack the game reps in some ways, just because of how this qualification group has, uh, you know, this qualification process has uh, gone and, because of the relative youth of, of the can- Canada's talent, they just haven't had those reps in the past, uh, aside from very specific players uh, and like Brady Heslip and everybody. Um, but, you know, this is a very talented team and Australia's, you know, right up there in terms of NBA talent and Lithuania is always, uh, you know, one of the best coached and one of the most uh, in sync teams in the world and they've got Jonas Valanciunas who's going to drop 35 and 15 on, on, on them, despite this being international basketball, that's going to happen. Uh, so Canada's going to have to earn their way into, uh, a qualifying for the Olympics. Uh, and that was always going to be tough considering that only two teams from the Americas get in through this tournament. Uh, but, uh, the draw sucks, but, you want to look on the bright side, if they can qualify through this tournament, uh, that will be a hell of an accomplishment, given the road they're going to have to travel. Jonas Valanciunas, who, by the way, used to joke that his son would play for the Canadian national program, uh, very much took that off the table when I caught up with him in Memphis. Now that he's no longer a Raptor, even the joke about his son playing for Canada instead of Lithuania is is off the table now. And that's too bad, because I think he's... Uh, you know, approaching JJ Barrios hut. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting, he's getting big. Um, the only other note on Canadian prospects, uh, 20 plus Canadians playing in the March madness NCAA tournament. That's begins, I, I guess begins tonight with playing games begins in earnest on Thursday and another 20 plus, uh, in the women's bracket, including Bridget Carlton and Shay Colley, who both played for the, uh, women's national team in the 2018 world cup. So you have lots of, Canada basketball to focus on uh, if you so choose in both March Madness tournaments. And you have that covered on theathletic.com, I believe? Uh, it's not done yet, but it will be up today. It will be covered on theathletic.com. Indeed. Uh, maybe by the time you read this, maybe shortly after you read this. They're maybe probably like- listening to this podcast, not reading this podcast. Now, well, why do we post the transcripts then? We do not. Oh. Yeah. What, what would you know? You don't help with any of the production side, do you? You're just the talent. Yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the Mark Marin to your producer guy. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, I think that's another, a good sign we should wrap this up. 
uh, I was I was just the only reason I brought that up is because I was just listening to his a thousandth episode, which was him and his producer talking about their process. Uh, uh, good podcast. If anyone wants to know our process, I call Eric. And we talk for 45 minutes and ramble, and then I do the lightest bit of editing, and then we post it. There you go. Yeah. Spoiled our, Rapt- spoiled our thousandth episode. Uh, here's a nice note. Uh, the Raptors have passed Boston in point differential. Cool. Uh, that was, you know, bothering me for a while, but now they're ahead of the Celtics. There you go. All right, let's wrap this up. Sure. Eric, do you have any else? Congratulations on getting out of the Ides of March unscathed. Wait, what is when did the Ides of March technically end? I thought it was just March 15th. Oh, okay. But hold on, let's check. I have no idea. Uh, I know spring begins on Thursday and Mercury will leave retrograde shortly. But. Well, thank God for that. Things have been very messed up. It's bad when Mercury's in retrograde, right? It is, yeah. Everything's, I mean, for me personally, I don't know about your. I don't know about your star alignment or whatever the hell you call it, but yeah, we've only got nine more days with Mercury in retrograde. So there you go. Just in time for the playoffs. Everything, everything will be back to normal. Yeah. So look forward to game one. The Ides of March was a day in the Roman calendar that corresponds to the 15th of March. It was marked by several religious observances and was notable for the Romans as a deadline for settling debts. Cool. Do you owe me any money? I, I owe so. you money, I think, right? You're about you're about to, but I don't know how much. So uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll deal with that. All right, that let's point. leave it vague. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll try to talk to you around this time, sometime next week, maybe Monday, maybe Wednesday. Instead, we'll see. Eric, thanks so much, man. Uh, thank you. See ya. If only to be a reasonable man.